carefully. We think he was the victim of a bear attack. His body was taken to the morgue in Oak Springs. That's over the pass, about 30 miles from here. The autopsy is scheduled for tomorrow, and we're hoping the county medical examiner can make a determination. In the meantime, we've contacted the Department of Fish and Game. Marcus Dufresne? She stopped. Uh, excuse me? The conservation officer with Fish and Game. It's Marcus Dufresne, isn't it? You know him? I helped him tag some bears last year. Is he on this case? She hesitated just a little, but replied, Yes, I think he is. Then I'd better get in touch with him. We've got to get right on this before the signs fade, before we lose the evidence. Mr. Benson, she raised her hand to cut him short, give it some time. You're too close to this. We don't have time. If this was a bear attack, the signs could fade within hours. There are qualified people working on this. You want qualifications? Would a Ph.D. in biological science be good enough for you? How about a professorship at Colorado State University teaching environmental science and biology? I know bears, deputy. I've specialized in grizzly and black bear behavior for the past ten years. <sighs> he stopped and exhaled a long sigh. Easy, Steve, easy, he told himself. Her calm and soothing response was much to her credit. Dr. Benson, why don't we get you in to see your sister-in-law? We can talk more after you see her. I would greatly appreciate that. She was more than just an in-law. Evelyn was a long-time friend, a kid's sister. As Steve stole quietly into her hospital room, he saw her mother sitting beside the bed, holding her hand. Steve didn't know what to expect, but when he saw Evelyn lying on the white sheets, the sweet knowledge that she was alive overwhelmed him, and he began to cry. Evelyn's mother turned, and her face lit up. Steve, oh, hello. They embraced. He looked at Evelyn. Her face was turned his way, but she gave no hint that she recognized him. Her mother kept one arm around Steve as she followed his gaze to the bed. She's still in shock, I think. Steve approached, bent down, and looked into Evelyn's eyes. Heavy, he said softly, it's Steve. She'd been through something horrible. Her curly black hair was still matted with dried blood, her face and hands marred with cuts and bruises. Gently, he placed his hand on hers. She managed to wrap her thumb around one of his fingers, and then she murmured, Cliff is dead. Yes, I've been told. Just rest, Effie. We're all here now. She smiled weakly and gave his finger a barely discernible squeeze. He patted her hand. I'm going to go out and talk to the deputy now. You take care. You too, she managed to say. Steve and Tracy Ellis found a conference room and sat at one end of a long table. How are you doing? she asked. Something about her made him ask, How are you doing? I'm... She opened her folder again, perhaps just for something to do. I'm not very fine, you may have gathered. Well, these are not exactly fine circumstances. No, they sure aren't. And things are going to get rougher before they get better. I think you need to brace yourself. I'm working on it. Tracy unfolded a Forest Service map and outlined an area. The trucker found Evelyn about here, up this logging road, about twelve miles above the town of Hyde River. She and her husband were camping near the ridge, right here, near the end of the staircase trail. No one's ever seen a grizzly on Wells Peak, but the fish and game people are guessing it might be a large bear. It's tagged number 308. Steve studied the map. Does anyone know if this bear is habituated, used to people? I understand he's getting that way, and that's what makes him a prime suspect. He's raided the landfill near Swiftwater. She pointed out the tiny village on the map, and a few homesteads there have had their garbage gone through. Tracy shook her head, her expression troubled. 
But this attack, well, nobody expected it. Has anyone checked the site of the attack? Her shoulders sagged as she looked uncomfortable. Sheriff Collins and I went up there this morning first light. We knew Mrs. Benson had come down the staircase trail, and we knew there'd been trouble. But Dr. Benson, it wasn't pretty. He knew she was trying to protect him, but he needed to hear the truth. Go ahead. She fumbled through her notes and groped for words. We found the campsite. A small tent, a fire pit some distance down the hill, two backpacks. The food provisions were properly stored in containers in some trees far from the camp, again downhill. Tracy showed him a crude map of the site she'd made while there. But that's where we found your brother's body, down here near the food stores, in a grove of trees about eighty yards from the camp. Both Cliff and the bear could have been at the food cache at the same time for the same reason, and surprised each other, Steve thought. Did... He had to force the question out. Did the condition of the body indicate a scenario? She seemed hesitant, even afraid to answer. He felt he should explain. I'm trying to get some idea of how long the attack went on. Cliff had to have taken some defensive measures, and obviously every got involved at some point. It's... He knew he was asking for information that could pain him deeply. I guess it's time I knew the condition of the body at least as much as I need to. She sighed. I don't know what to tell you, Dr. Benson. I've never been in this kind of situation, investigating with some someone who's so close to the victim. Just tell me what you've found. I'm ready to hear it. She looked at him for the longest time, then answered quietly, slowly, We only found half. His thought processes stopped. He sat motionless. She was looking at him, waiting, trying to gauge his response. His voice wouldn't engage. When it did, it came out a hoarse whisper. Half? Only half his body? She nodded. We found... We found the left arm detached the shoulder several feet away, still in the shirt sleeve. He felt her stomach turn. Quit it. She slowly, reluctantly lifted her hand to her left shoulder. And everything about this line... She slowly traced the line downward across her torso to her right hip. Was gone. Levi Cobb, Hyde River's burly, gray-bearded mechanic heard about the bear attack from a sheriff's deputy driving through, and after that he wasn't worth much the rest of the day. He managed to run his old garage and pump gas for customers, but whenever he was alone, his thoughts centered on what had happened on Wells Peak. He forced himself to work on the telephone company's ladder truck, but even as he worked, he could only talk about the stranger named Cliff Benson. I don't think an outsider would get eaten like that, you follow me? He asked the real axle he was working on. Around here, you earn something like that, which means you can't be no stranger. Hate to think Maggie would know anything about this or him, but... <laughs> he cinched down the bolt and then banged it to emphasize a decision he'd just made. All right, tonight, as God is my judge, I'm going to ask her. I'm going to flush this thing out of the bushes. I'm going to... Oh, shoot. He could see Charlie Mack, the owner of the local tavern, just now crossing the street toward the garage. They didn't get along too well, Charlie and Levi. The door was open, but Charlie stopped short of coming in and knocked on the doorpost. Yeah? Hi, Levi. Busy? No, just trying to look like it, he thought. What's on your mind, Charlie? Charlie stepped inside, then just stood there fidgeting, unable to find words. Have a seat. You're making me nervous. Charlie found an old metal folding chair with Cobb's garage stenciled on the back. He pulled it up and sat on it. Levi, now I'm not snooping or anything, you understand? Mm-hmm. But I hear you've been sleeping in your camper and out behind your house. Levi looked over the top of his glasses. Well, if you're not snooping, somebody is. 
Hey, it's nothing like that. Then what's it like? Well, everybody knows once in a while you, uh, you help people. You take them in, you know. Levi sat down his ranch and looked directly at Charlie. Charlie, I've already been asked about Maggie Bly, and I haven't had a whole lot to say to anybody. I'm not trying to snoop, Levi. I just... But I'll tell you this. If Maggie Bly ever got kicked out of the house by her husband and came to me because she had nowhere else to go, sure, I'd give her shelter, which is more than anybody else did the other night. But listen, Levi, I'm not prying into Maggie's business. I'm not. But would you have any idea? I mean, just for the sake of information, would you happen to know? What, Charlie? What? Well, this mole and this guy that got killed up on Wales Peak. Levi just stared at him. Was he, uh, you know, were he and Maggie? Now, what kind of question is that? Well, she's not just anybody's wife. She's Harold Bly's wife. With that, Levi almost laughed. Charlie, are you scared of something? Charlie was really getting flustered. Well, I was just kind of wondering. Charlie, you know my message is always the same. Levi closed one eye and sighted down his pointed finger at Charlie's heart. Before you start worrying about some critter in those mountains, you better worry about the critter you got right in there. That's the one that's going to kill you. Charlie looked out the window and muttered, That sort of thing just hasn't happened in a long time. Levi looked at the truck axle and said offhandedly, Oh, it hasn't been that long, has it? Well, I don't want to talk about it. Levi locked eyes with him. And I guess you're afraid it might happen again. Is that it? Charlie jumped up. Okay, Levi, just forget it, okay? Well, it might. I said forget it. And with that, Charlie rushed out the door. Now Levi sat there alone with only the tools to talk to. What'd I say? It was Tuesday afternoon. Mosquitoes were inquiring at every square inch of Steve's body, trying unsuccessfully to find some avenue through all that camouflage gear and insect repellent. But Steve did not stir. His powerful muscles were stone-steady as he hid motionless in a buried thicket above the game trail. He was sighting through his rifle scope, his finger tightly around the trigger. About thirty yards below him, a grizzly, its body thick and ponderous, its shoulder hump pronounced, had found the old doughnuts and grease that he and Marcus Dufresne had set out, and it was now pawing and clawing through the bait with its long white claws, lapping at the grease, snorting, licking, chomping. The bear moved forward, pawing through the doughnuts. The chest was exposed. Steve fired, the rifle kicking back against his shoulder. He chambered another round and had the bear in his scope again, just as the bear toppled to the ground. Another round finished the kill in a matter of seconds. Somewhere in the gathering darkness he could hear Marcus hollering. The shots had been clean and true. Steve moved for the first time, rising from the blind, his body aching and trembling. On any other hunting trip, this would have been a supreme moment. Today, he felt no joy at all. Marcus worked his way down from his hiding place, rifle ready, and approached the fallen beast. He nudged it with his rifle barrel, then stooped to read the small ear tag. It's 308. There was one grizz we called Old Scar. Lived up above the Tyler Gorge. He ate Jack Friday, I know. Jack went up there fishing and never came back. And all we ever found was his pole, one of his boots. Could have been old Scar ate Jules Howard. Maybe he ate that lady cook we had. What was her name? Nancy, I think. Somebody found her apron and part of her foot out in the woods, but nothing else. Yeah, it's always been that way. Retired miner Homer Bedlow in recorded interview transcribed in Hyde River Memories by Jill Statton, copyright 1965. 
Midway between dusk and dawn amid the silhouettes of old ruins, a lone figure stole silently past the teetering walls and crumbling foundations, his black clothing blending with the deep angular shadows so as to make him invisible. No one would know his business. Everyone else was afraid to go near this place. With silent, feather-light steps, he entered a large ruin, letting its three remaining walls shroud him in their shadows, and knelt before a large, flat stone. He placed his hands on its corners, his gaze fixed upon the stone's dim gray image, and prayed, muttering his requests in a quiet monotone. When he had finished, he drew a slip of paper from under his coat, placed it on the rock, and with a large black pencil scribbled a name, which he repeated over and over, Margaret Elizabeth, Margaret Elizabeth, Margaret Elizabeth. With a strike of a match, he set the paper on fire. Time for you to die, Maggie. The third morning after the attack, Steve met Tracy Ellis at the Clark County Medical Center. I just got the autopsy report on your brother, she said. The bottom line is, the pathologist concludes it was a bear. Steve reported, Well, Marcus and I did an autopsy on 308. The bear had been feeding on some human garbage, which suggests habituation. But as for human remains of any kind, we found nothing conclusive. Steve looked down momentarily. Marcus and I have talked about actually viewing the remains. He was quick to add, But I think I'd rather have Marcus do it. I trust his judgment. Tracy thought about it, then nodded. Have Marcus do it. He nodded. Well, come on. Let's see what Evie remembers. When they entered the room, Evelyn was sitting upright. The mattress raised and several pillows placed behind her back. Steve and Tracy pulled two chairs close to the bed and sat down. Tracy opened her folder. Miss Benson, how comfortable would you be talking about what happened on Wales Peak? Evelyn was apologetic. I don't remember very much. Well, just start at the beginning. See how you do. I remember we'd eaten our meal for the evening, and Cliff went down to the food cache to store our leftovers. It was dark by then, so I couldn't see him very well, just his flashlight sometimes. She stopped. Tracy prompted. You saw him go down the hill? Evelyn just shook her head. And then I woke up in the hospital. Steve was disappointed, but tried not to show it. Tracy just studied her notes. So Cliff was a wildlife photographer? Uh-huh. Was he taking pictures up on Wales Peak? No, we just wanted to get away together. He'd been working a lot of hours. We needed some time alone. I understand your husband had been working in Hyde Valley for a few months, is that right? That's right. He was doing local sportsman stuff, you know. Hunting, fishing, that kind of thing. So he was away from home a lot? Evelyn hesitated just slightly before answering. Sure, he had to go where the pictures were.